Welcome to the Faith Crisis Coach Podcast. This show is my love letter to all of the people going through a faith crisis and transition that feel alone and like your world is falling apart. I've been there. As an all-in, eighth-generation Latter-day Saint, a faith crisis was the last thing I expected or wanted. But now, my life, my mental health, my relationships, my self-image, all of that is so much better because of how I leveraged my faith crisis. I'm your host, Josie Johnson, certified trauma-informed life coach and happy faith crisis graduate. If you want to grow through this experience, not just go through it, listen in. Hello, my faith crisis friends. Let's talk about our relationships with our bodies today. I am very passionate about this topic. (laughs) I am going to be getting on my soapbox and I have prepared myself emotionally because after I publish this episode, I expect I'll have a vulnerability hangover as Brene Brown describes it. I will be sharing personal stories because this is important. So buckle up. If you're my family, this is probably going to be TMI for you. So you've been warned. (laughs) I'm sharing these stories for my faith crisis friends and my clients. And to my faith crisis friends, you probably don't want to listen to this with kids in the car. I doubt you guys are doing that. You're probably listening to a faith crisis podcast discreetly in your headphones, but just a heads up. Let's do this. I believe that in order to create any tight-knit community like the one we know in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, We must give up some individuality and personal assets, our time, our money, our energy, our attention. In the LDS or Mormon church, just like many other high demand religions, the body is one of the main assets we are asked to give away for the sake of the community. I want to address that today and give ideas on how you can reclaim your body as yours. Now, Like I mentioned last week, this matters. (laughs) This really matters because the ability to process emotions demands presence with the body. Being present with uncomfortable emotions is the currency we pay to have the lives we want. We simply can't be present with something that's not ours. That goes against human nature. We have to feel like we have some sense of entitlement or ownership to it. I want to help you feel more entitled, more owning of your own body. I want to help you view your body as yours even more than you already do. This is where I need to make a note to my men listening. This episode will be really good for you to hear. (laughs) And your work is probably less about learning and more about unlearning. Your work is less about claiming your body as yours you probably have already claimed your body as yours. Your work is more about letting go of other people's bodies as yours. It's not all or nothing, my guys listening. You for sure have received messaging around what your body is for, what it should look like and do, and the rules around it at church. The difference is, though, you likely weren't taught systemically that your body and other assets defer to someone else's ownership and judgment. So listen with curiosity and compassion. Again, this message is meant for you, but also know that you are listening to it from a woman's perspective, and I was systemically trained to think about my body differently than a man was. Remember that scene in Finding Nemo where there's a bunch of seagulls saying, 
mine, 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 mine. That is what it feels like everyone has done with my body over the years. And you might feel the same. My body belonged to everyone else before it ever belonged to me. It belonged to Heavenly Father, God. It belonged to beauty and diet industries. It belonged to men. It belonged to my marriage and it belonged to my kids. They all claimed ownership of my body before I even got a chance. The messaging I received in church about my body was, one, dress modestly. In all of these specific ways listed in the first strength of youth. And then post-temple, you need to be garment friendly. Number two, your body is a temple. Keep it pure and clean. Don't mark on it. Don't consume these specific foods or ideas that are unclean. Don't be sexual. All of that is dirty. Number three, marriage is the most important thing. And you can have sex once you're married. But don't you dare have sex before marriage. Don't even think about sex before marriage. Because if you get too close, you'll fall off the edge of a waterfall. I remember literally seeing this visual in Sunday school and seminary over and over of this like fast river and how, you know, don't get too close. Like make sure you have guardrails because otherwise you're going to slip off the edge. So it was very like fear-based view of sexuality. I was taught that sex is for procreation and connection with your spouse. Once you're married, you can have lots of sex, but not too much. Don't be too sexual, but you should be sexual because you should be having lots of kids. Pleasure was never talked about for women. And pleasure for men was demonized and talked about in a very shameful way. It's shameful that you have interest in this thing that's vital for the family, which is the main point. Number four, your primary role is to be a mother and mothers are primarily responsible for the nurture of their children. I learned that my ability to bear children was equivalent to the priesthood, which no on infertility, that is so unfair <laughs> that people make that comparison, but it is a way of explaining why women can't have priesthood power and men can. So I learned that my ability to bear children and to be a mother was equivalent to this power. And it was actually better, in fact, than priesthood power because it was natural to me. I was always taught that like women are naturally more spiritual than men. And my body, I was taught, was given to me and existed to procreate than to birth and nurture my children. And number five, be happy. And if you're not, you're doing something wrong. This is the plan of happiness after all. And the reason that has to do with my body is because our feelings live in our bodies, which meant that if I felt anything besides happy, I needed to disconnect from my body. And I needed to do it in appropriate ways, of course. Nothing addictive. You know, hello, social media, so delicious, and Star Wars. <laughs> the messaging I received from the diet and beauty industry around my body was one, you don't look right. Let me count the ways I can improve you. There's so many ways I can improve you and there's so many things you can buy to make you look better. Everything from a little bit of makeup to plastic surgery. Number two, eat this, don't eat that. There are clean foods and dirty foods. Only eat the clean foods. Three, stay small. 
you should stay as small as you possibly can. Four, control yourself. You always need to be in control. And then the messaging I received from the patriarchy was, your body is ours. You are in control of our emotions. And if you have emotions, you're too sensitive. So those are the three main places I received messaging about my body. Church, beauty and diet industry, and patriarchy at large. Okay. Now, I am naturally a very trusting person. Some may call it naive or sheltered. I certainly called myself those things in the past. But now, I just see myself as someone who is very loyal. I'm very loyal, and I love that about me. I'm a natural rule follower and a person that just wanted to do things right. So when I was told what quote-unquote right is, I chose the right, of course. And when I questioned and was given an answer, I trusted the answer. I didn't question the answer. So my body reclamation and faith transition journey have mirrored each other. The more I claim my body is mine, the more I become disenchanted by church church teachings, especially because they're so related to the body. The more I trusted my own authority, the less I've trusted outside authority and have questioned ultimate authority outside of me. The more I have owned myself, the less other people have owned me. The more self-love I have, the more selfish they think I am. The more I approve of myself, the less favored I am in their eyes and in the eyes of the Heavenly Father I was taught about as they describe Him. So I've been creating this podcast for my faith crisis friends mentally for months and probably years (laughs) before it became real. I think about things for a long time before I do them. And part of creating has been keeping a list of podcast titles. An episode titled My Body is Mine has been at the top of the list since the beginning. I knew how pivotal this piece is to faith crisis and faith transition. But it wasn't until I was really thinking about what I wanted to say that the word mine took on a different force, a different articulation. It became more fierce. It wasn't as casual. I'm not using the word mine like, oh yeah, that's mine like a by-the-way sort of energy, like claiming a jacket I left at a friend's house. I'm setting a strong boundary here, and I encourage you to do the same. It's like, hey, back off. That's mine. Right? It's how I would talk to someone if they were like approaching my child, (laughs) someone dangerous, right? Hey, back off. That's my daughter. That's my son. Leave them alone, (laughs) right? That's how I feel about my body, hearing mine, 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 mine over and over throughout my life in different variations. I'm at the point where I'm like, hey, my body is mine. (laughs) And I love the emotion behind that word. I don't know what to call it really. It's like love meets anger. It's a fierce love, an urgent sense of ownership and protection. It's that angry cry. It's the fight for something very important. It's like a mother lifting a heavy object off a child. It's like hearing a story about your friend's sucky boyfriend and wanting to key his car. (laughs) It's the hell no energy. That's a boundary. That's a line we do not cross here. It feels like leadership. It feels like putting my foot down. No. 
it's the word no without a kind of placated explanation of why I'm saying no. It's just no. It reminds me of the speech from Captain America. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it is your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye, and say, no, you move. I've had a lot of no, you move moments with my body. Claiming my body is mine hasn't happened all at once. It's happened moment by moment. And if you're relating to this, this story of kind of being told that your body isn't yours and learning how to reclaim it, I want you to kind of think about your story as I tell you a little bit of mine and think about wins that you've had in reclaiming your body. So some of my wins, my fierce love, putting my foot foot down, saying you move moments have been deciding I was done with macro counting, sugar restriction, intermittent fasting, purging. I was done micromanaging my food forever and ever. Amen. That is something I did, right? Because I was told by the diet industry to stay small and control yourself and to eat this and not that. My very loyal, my very rule-loving brain took that to the extreme. Disordered eating habits are very common, which makes sense because of what we've been taught about our body. So for me, a major win was just saying, no, (laughs) I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Throwing away my scale and choosing to never own one again. That was a big one for me. Looking at my postpartum self in the mirror after my first hospital shower post giving birth to my son and saying, good job, body. That was a big moment of radical self-love for me. After years of pushing my body to run marathons, teach fitness classes, and unconsciously process anxiety, you know, hold mine and everyone else's emotions in. (laughs) Not that I can actually hold other people's emotions, but I would try to take them on and manage other people's emotions all while talking down to my body and micromanaging its fuel, saying good job body and deciding to be proud of my body was a big, big deal. Setting aside my garments and buying pretty underwear that I wanted to wear. Deciding my underwear was a big deal. Dressing my body in tank tops and garment unfriendly shorts and dresses, wearing a bikini, doing a maternity boudoir photo shoot, that was super fun. <laughs> and shout out to Sweet Confidence uh, Photography. That is my friend, Jessly. So if you were in the Utah area, she is who I would go to. It's sweet. Actually, her handle is Sweet Confidence Boudoir. B-O-U-D-O-I-R. Okay. Those kind of photo shoots are actually very empowering for women of all body types. So I would encourage you to do that. What else? Oh, my last one is figuring out how to orgasm for the first time as a married woman with a child. So fun fact, because of the messaging I received about my body and my perfectionism, scrupulosity, and anxiety around following those rules, not everyone takes these to the extreme, and I know that. But for me, because of that, I had a baby before I had an orgasm, my friends. That delay had nothing to do with my husband, my desire, or my ability to orgasm. Those are all damn good. (laughs) 
It was my lack of self-ownership to be in and enjoy my own body. I share my story because I am an extreme example of what totally trusting outside authority does to a person and their relationship with their body. I want you to understand that I get what it's like to have a hard time connecting with your body. Going back to the emotion series, if that's hard for you, if it's hard for you to sit with an emotion in your body without you know, lashing out at someone or eating all the food or getting on Netflix or social media or needing to overwork or, you know, numbing out, going oversleeping, whatever. There's so many things we do to disconnect from our bodies. If it's hard for you to be in the moment with yourself and connect to your body and be like, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling mad. What is this like in my body without, you know, trying to numb it out or dull it out? I get what that's like on a very personal level. So this whole emotion series we just did, I get that it's a skill and it's hard to develop. The scale at which you feel disconnected to your body might be the same or different than mine and what I've overcome. But either way, it's the same concept of how to do it. In order to heal that dissociation, the body disconnection, you have to be deliberate. The three steps I would suggest starting with in order to love and reclaim your body are one, acknowledge that many individuals and organizations have given you messaging around your body for their benefit. What were those messages? What did they gain from those messages? Limit those messages where possible. Give yourself permission. You matter. It's okay to unfollow people. It's okay to mute people on social media. It's okay to see an ad for whatever and say, yeah, that's not That's not for me. I don't accept that. I don't receive that. So social media curation, boundaries with people and items like scales and ideas, taking a break from church meetings that are focused on the body. All of this stuff has to do with acknowledging and taking care of yourself, knowing that people are giving you messaging around your body and choosing what messaging you want to receive. Number two, ask yourself what you think about bodies in general and your body specifically. What should it look like? What is it for? What are the frequent things you're saying to your body? Take a good look at how you're treating and talking to your body. Tell yourself the truth and start eavesdropping on your thoughts to be more aware of what you're saying to you and your body. Number three, Do some scary, vulnerable, uncomfortable stuff to reconnect with your body. Create some wins for yourself. Here are some optional body connection ideas. Number one. (laughs) Number one. I'm laughing because (laughs) this podcast is so sexual, but I mean, it is what it is. That is a way to reconnect to our body. So number one is prioritize your orgasms. Orgasm partnered or solo, advocate for your pleasure because you matter and get to take up space in this world. You matter just as much as anyone else. Orgasming is natural, normal, and a healthy human need and desire. And I know that a lot of women, we have been taught that a man, his pleasure is more important than yours. And that is not true. (laughs) So for those of you that 
think that or that have had a hard time orgasming, I just want to say I get you and just practice. You'll figure it out. The more you prioritize you, you'll figure it out or you'll just get more comfortable being with yourself and allowing pleasure. Next is throw away your scale. Just throw it away. You don't need that bathroom scale anymore. You don't need it taunting you. Just throw it away. Next, adorn the body you have with clothes, tattoos, piercings, whatever, that make you feel like you. You get to choose. No one else gets to choose what you do with your body. You get to choose. Next is exercise to feel stronger, build stamina, and stay flexible. My background before I became professional in mental health and um, life coaching was physical health. My major in college was exercise and wellness. That's what I graduated with. And we learned that the main three reasons for exercise are strength, cardio, and flexibility. We never talked about looking different. So focus on those three things, exercise to feel stronger, exercise to build stamina, and that cardio health, that heart health, and then exercise to stay flexible. Your old person body, <laughs> when you, as you age, you will be so grateful that you did that. Hold your head high. That's the next one. Prioritize good posture. <laughs> this will help you kind of be in your body more. <laughs> we kind of slump over and make ourselves smaller. So, you know, shoulders back, head high, take up space. Dance it out. Turn on some music. Just nonsense dance around. Dance it out. Another idea is to question any and all beauty and body standards. They are all made up and change over time. People who live up to them are privileged genetically, are using a filter, and or have had plastic surgery. And their body was not always in style. Like literally there are like styles or trends of bodies. So just remember that when you're comparing yourself to other people. Next idea is to be careful with the media you consume. What is the message it's sending to you about you and your body and other people's bodies. Be careful with the media you consume. Be mindful. What are you watching? What does this say about the body and your ownership of your own body and your ownership of other people's bodies? Consume food from a place of freedom and self-regard. Notice any food and substance rules that you have for yourself. Acknowledge that these may have been passed down to you. Give yourself a blank slate and choose again. You may choose the same things that you were told to choose, or you may reevaluate. The point is that you're choosing for you and your body. You're choosing for your body. And the last idea is to intentionally say helpful things to yourself about your body. A list of my favorite things to say to myself and to my body are, good job, body. Thank you, body. My body is the animal I live in. My body isn't wrong. My body didn't do anything wrong. That's not my body's job. 
I'm more than a body. And then here's some ideas for if you're looking at a mirror or a photo of yourself, you could think that's a human body. That's what my body looked like on that day. My brain isn't used to seeing my body from that angle. Look at you. And I'm proud of you. So you can kind of go back, do that 15 second scroll back if you want to hear those thoughts again. Okay, my friends, our relationships with our bodies are very important. Having a positive relationship with your body is what allows you to be able to process the emotions that allow you to hit your goals. You will not hit your goals in life. You you will not have the life you want to have if you don't have the capacity to hold the emotions that come with that life. The more positive, the more we expand the positive side of our emotional spectrum, the more we expand the negative side of our emotional spectrum. We have to expand both at the same time. (laughs) So having a positive relationship with your body, reclaiming your body is just necessary for this work of life coaching. So I will talk to you next time, my friends. Pick one thing you'll do to reconnect with your body this week. Your body is yours. Thanks for being here. Bye. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today. I'd love to stay in touch over on Instagram. So follow me at Coach Josie Johnson and shoot me a DM when you do. It's not weird. I promise. I'd love to hear if there's a topic you want a podcast episode on. That way I can make sure I'm helping you with whatever is top of mind right now. And if you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe on whatever app you're using so that the podcast is easy to find in the future. Okay, bye for now.